Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Supercrawl tomorrow begins. Uh, it is right now the biggest event in the city. I don't think there's anything that comes close to Supercrawl as far as numbers. Uh, Tim Potasek is the guy who started it. He runs it. He is the man behind it. Uh, he is the man who may some days wish that he had never thought of this idea. I'm not really sure, but he joins me now. Tim, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. You, you must be, a, a, with this starting tomorrow on the size of this now, you must be about up to your armpits and alligators at this point. Yeah, a bit, for sure. <laughs> That's good, though. How, remind us now, just because this goes back now over a decade, how, when, how did this start? How did you guys devise the concept for this? Um, it was kind of calling a community meeting. Um, I, was on, I was on business in New York, actually, like a couple years before, and I was stumbled upon a street festival on the weekend um, in Manhattan, and, and it was it looked really cool, and I started walking it, and I'm like, oh, my Lord. It was like 20-plus blocks long, and it was just gigantic. And I'm like, man, they can close this many blocks in Manhattan. Got to be able to close a block of street in Hamilton and do something close or something similar. And that was kind of the – that's kind of got what my, my brain going. And then um, we called some community meetings and got people together and asked – sort of, you know, permission of the community down on James Street, if it would be cool if we closed a, a block of street and put some bands on one night um, on an art crawl. And but that's it. That sounds like a very humble beginning, or at least a humble goal, though, to get a block closed. Yeah, it was hard, actually. <laughs> there were some real advocates at the city, but there's also some real sticklers that didn't want the street closed. Uh, but we managed to make it happen. And how significant uh, was that? I, I don't even remember now, to be honest with you, maybe because it was so small, but how how big was the very first Super Crawl? Uh, it was a four-hour event, um, and uh, we had about 3,000 people, which was about 10 times what was coming to your average art crawl at that point. Um, and we were thrilled, and it was cold and wet and raining in an October Friday, um, but it was, we were super happy with the success of that, but didn't really think too much about it. Actually, afterward, we were like, wow, that was cool. And we like brought like 10 times more people than normally come to our crawl. Awesome. That's success. Great. And then we all went on to our regular day jobs. Didn't really think about it too much. Um, and then kind of circled back about six months after that thinking, well, maybe we should, if we're going to maybe try and do this again, we should start talking about it a little earlier. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we good plan. Threw, we threw it together in like 12 weeks. It was like, there was not a lot of pre-planning. It was sort of middle of the summer and we we're like, yeah, let's do this. We'll and do did you September. call it, did you call it super crawl that first year? Yeah. 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 It's been super crawl from the start. Um, I came up with the name and it was, uh, simply just by throwing names around a table, like, you know, people, there's all kinds of dumb names that came up. Like what? Um, like, remember, well, I, you... can't, I can't remember, but <laughs> I came up with not only Supercrawl, but some dumb ones too. Sometimes it takes a bit of time to get the juices flowing, you know, but threw that out there and it stuck. And um, our graphic designer is still with us today that does work for us uh, in the branding of the festival. He, um, he created the Hero logo that we still use today. And uh, yeah, all the branding around it. And it just kind of went from there. Had you ever thought that this is what you wanted it to be when it got started? Was that the end goal, that this thing would be massive at one time? No, never. 
Um, I mean, we started, you know, obviously thinking uh, about growth, um, not so much after the first year, but I'd say um, after the second one completed because, you know, we got pretty aggressive with, we moved it and we did, you know, Friday night and a Saturday. So we added, you know, quite a bit to it, uh, a lot more content and stages and, and we closed two blocks and, it, you know, actually a little bit more than two blocks and it, and it sort of turned into something a little bit bigger and also a little bit, you know, scarier just financially because, you know, there was, there was a definite evolution the first three years uh, leading into the fourth, you know, we funded it basically, you know, our company led the charge with the funding of like is making it happen, um, spending all the time and staff hours to make it happen. Lots of, lots of community support back then though. There's lots of people uh, chipping in volunteer time and there still is today, but a little different because it was a tight group back in the day. And um, yeah, there was no, you know, when we hit 3000 people, the second year we're like, we're going to make this thing, you know, 200,000 people are going to come downtown Hamilton. Never (laughs) did ever, ever did we think that that would happen. Did it ever Um, feel like it was becoming kind of a giant monster that was almost out of control? It it got like in in the middle years, I'd have to say it was, those were the challenging years because we, we switched it from being, you know, run, through our company, our for-profit company, to a not-for-profit with a board and having to set up all those rules and expectations and it being a not-for-profit and then still, like, navigating contracts between ourselves, still running it, and a new board and different board people that have come through the years. And we're still navigating those those issues today, but, I mean, it's, it's all good. Um, but that allowed us to, like, you know, basically legitimately go out and get, you know, sponsorship and build proper sponsorship and decks and learn, done a lot of learning over the last 10 years on how to do that right, um, and then be able to apply for more municipal money um, and provincial money and federal money, because you can't really do that with when you're running it um, the way we are. It's a mm. free festival for the community. We don't have any revenue per se. We've got street revenue with, like, selling vendor spots and food truck spots and selling some beer on the street, you know, in beer gardens. But that's really the only revenue that comes in the weekend of the festival. The revenue comes before that through grants and corporate sponsorships. One of the things that's interesting, so there are going to be people listening right now who are not going downtown on the weekend, who don't live downtown, who have never been to Super Crawl and who even what we're talking about doesn't really resonate with them. And that's, that's okay. Have you ever thought now that it's reached the point where it's this big anyway, have you ever given any thought to saying, you know what, let's put some stage, let's put a stage or two up on the mountain in Ancaster. Let's put one in Stony Creek. Let's actually take this from just the core and move it around the city. And really, if we're going to go nuts anyway, let's really go nuts and take it all over the place. It's not really part of our expansion plan, to be honest. Um, we like it in the core. Uh, and the other communities are well served. Uh, you know, Waterdown's got some great festivals. Dundas has some great festivals. Ancaster, Winona, like so. There, there are other things happening in those communities, and I think that they're very valid uh, and work for all those small, you know, nooks within the city. And I think we work for our downtown, and um, we'll always be a downtown festival. I feel like we we love the core, and we're, we are looking at some other expansions. I mean, right now we're expanding into side streets to so that we don't go any further north-south necessarily, but we go a little bit east-west as well and sort of expand that way so we can handle the volumes of crowds at certain times. But, you know, our, we love being downtown festival, and I mean, I think that 
we also aren't looking at growth from, you know, trying to take it to two, two like we're a little over 200,000 people. We're not looking at like, how do we make this into a half a million people? Mm. I mean, that's just absurd. Could happen. I mean, it, it absolutely could happen, but like you can't really plan or think you can plan to that level. I mean, we just, we grow organically and we try to do things respectfully and, um, and support the community that supported us. Here's the thing that, that I really find uh, really interesting about this festival, and that is that you've got some bands that are big-name bands. I know that you know, Arkells have played before at this and other you know big bands that people have heard of before. Uh, you have some independent bands that nobody, unless they are a die-hard music junkie of that genre, is going to know. And right in the middle of this, you've got the Hamilton Philharmonic and Fred Penner and other things. It, like, it's... It seems like it's the most eclectic festival out there that you could find pretty much something for any style of music. Yeah, we try to be as um, diverse as possible. So we're doing things. We're a discovery festival. We've like, you know, sort of coined ourselves as that. Um, It's really important to us uh, as music people, but also just as, you know, people in general, not and not only on the music side, like on the art installation side, on the theater side, on the fashion side, like all the components of the things that we do here, they're all, you know, on some level, there's some commercial things that people would have heard of, but there's also cutting edge breaking things that we want to be able to put in front of people. And so they when they stumble upon them at the festival, it's like, oh, that's super cool. I love it. Never heard of that person or group or fashion designer or whatever. And and then they get into it, right? So that's part of the mandate of what we want to do. We want to put things, this is where, I mean, we really are, you know, between us and all of our committee members that help us build the content of the festival, we really are um, professionals and specialists in what we do. And, and, you know, we know good when we see it and we want to try to bring it to Hamiltonians to check out. So um, it's part of the lucky thing that we get to do. Well, we got to run, but you know what? Another 100,000 people, and you guys are basically Woodstock in downtown Hamilton. <laughs> Here we go. There, with maybe a few things missing, mostly the green or the brown pills or whatever it was that you were, the brown acid you're not really supposed to, but we'll, we'll say you don't have that one down there. Uh, Tim Potasek, organizer of Supercrawl, really appreciate the time today. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. A uh, huge, well, huge, yeah, I think it was huge. Certainly dramatic. Some would say childish. Some would say unconstitutional. Some would say clever. Some would say strong. Some would say, you pick your word. Everyone's got a word for this. Uh, day at the Ontario legislature today, because Doug Ford and his conservative government invoked the notwithstanding clause on first reading with this bill to deal with trying to get through the passage of their law to reduce the size of Toronto City Council from 47 to, I think, 25 is the number. Uh, you know you know the story behind this. I know you do. They wanted to pass this law. The It was appealed. It went to the courts. The uh, judge said, no, you can't do this. It doesn't fit in with the charter. And so here we are. And so the government today, and, and if you don't know what the notwithstanding clause is, go back to... Monday's show, again, you can find that at 900chml.com. And we were talking with a constitutional lawyer who explained it. If you're not sure what this is, you can go hear the full explanation of what this law is and why it applies here. But they invoked it today, which led to an uproar. The NDP were escorted out of the chambers. uh, People watching spectators were escorted out of the chambers. The NDP were banging on their desks and refusing to participate. And eventually the sergeant at arms took each of them out one by one. It was, it was quite a, a, quite a thing, quite a sight. But here's what I want to ask you today. 
is your view, do you believe that Doug Ford and the conservatives, that Doug Ford using the notwithstanding clause is a smart, effective way to get its, that government's agenda through, seeing as this government, as with every government, is elected by the people, whereas the judiciary is not. And if you believe that your government is fulfilling the will of the people and carrying a mandate and is being obstructed by what you believe to be an active judiciary, an activist judiciary, that you should use the tools at your disposal to get through the laws that you believe you're supposed to get through. That's the one argument that you were elected, the judges weren't, therefore use the tools at your disposal, even if they haven't been used all that much before, if, if never, use those tools to get that through. Or do you believe that this is using a nuclear option, hitting the nuclear switch on a th- to kill a, a pile of ants, really, that's what some people are looking at it, that this is an abuse of power, that this is breaking the Constitution, an unlawful breach of the Charter because we are now ignoring the court's rulings. Which side of the equation are you falling on in this one? 905-645-3221 or star 9900. I want to hear from you tonight on whether you think this is smart politics and good management of the province or an abuse of power and an abuse of the judiciary and an abuse of the charter. Fred is up first tonight. Fred, how are you this evening? I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. I was quite surprised that the judge uh, turned it down because under 1867, under the Constitution, by uh, sizing the uh, councils throughout Canada is correct. And for him to say no, for example, say that you were living in an apartment building. And you didn't like the rent, and the rent kept going up and Fred, up Fred, and up. Fred, let me just jump in for one second, because sure. we can talk about the size of councils okay. and whether they're appropriate. I just want to know tonight whether you agree with Doug Ford using this, or if you think it was an abuse of his position to no, use I'm this. No, I'm glad he used it, because he's, he's trying to show the people that uh, they're the government. And they, uh, now, the NDP is no damn progress. They're, what they did today was stupid, and they showed their side of uh, they can't govern. And I think Doug uh, did the right thing, and he's going to show it. And it's going to help the, the people in Toronto having the right amount of people being paid, not more or less, because there's only so much money to go around. And uh, the more people you get in council, 47, 40, they want to go on and on and on. You've got to stop it somehow. And by doing this, what he did, it's the only way to stop it. Fred, I appreciate your call. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Asking you whether you think Doug Ford's move today to use the notwithstanding clause in the legislature was a good, smart, effective bit of governance because he and his party were elected by the people, whereas the judge who said that cutting Toronto Council, which is what this is all about, wasn't allowed. That judge was not elected. Doug Ford was. The judge wasn't. Therefore, he says, I'm doing the will of the people. Or do you believe... This is not the way this is supposed to work. This is an abuse of power. This is not what you're supposed to do if you are the government. You're supposed to acquiesce to the will and the rulings of the court. Which side do you take on this one today? 905-645-3221. That's the landline. The cell phone, if you're on the cell phone, star 9900. That's toll free if you want to get through. Give us a shout. Uh, Janet is up next. Let me get Janet. The button is sticky. There we go. Janet, how are you tonight? 
I'm good, thanks. How are excellent, you excellent. How what do you think about this one? What side do you fall on for this one? I think he's being really heavy handed. First of all, I think the judge said that it was the timing that was the problem, not the fact that he introduced it, but the timing of it. Mid election. That's really not very fair. Uh, but I think he was being really heavy handed about it. I think that kind of thing was meant to like the spirit of it was meant for something that was a threat to, you know, our 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 culture, a threat to, I mean, by our culture, I mean, our, our society, um, like, you know, nuclear war or something else. But, um, but I think it wasn't meant for something tiny like this that could have been handled. You're not the first one. Yeah. Janet, you're not the first one who said this is a, uh, this is a, a small issue seemingly. Now, would you, could you ever bring yourself to say, you know what, based on certain issues, because it hasn't been used before in Ontario, could you bring yourself to say, you know what, I actually would support using the notwithstanding clause for certain things, or could you only see it as the last, last, last resort for the most important thing on the possible agenda? That, that's exactly it. it, it it's like somebody uh, somebody said, I forget whether it was on the radio or, or in the paper, that it's like using a nuclear warhead to, you know, to kill an ant. Hmm. It, it's 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 way out of proportion, and he should have, like, if he needs to use it, he'll save it for something that's really important, that's really a true threat. That's like, you know, I'm sorry to bring in this this analogy, but it, it's like, you know, Donald Trump saying that our steel is a national threat. It's not. It's making something up just to get your way. I think, Janet, one of the things you may see, Doug Ford today says that he will not be shy to use this again. So I'm wondering, honestly, if part of this today, I I tend to agree with you about the fact that this seems like a very big sledgehammer for an issue that, relatively speaking, is kind of minor. I almost wonder if this is a bit of a trial balloon to see how this thing plays. Oh, definitely. I think he's testing his power, and, and the more power he can get away with using, the more he'll use. Janet, thank you for the call. Really appreciate thank it. You. Thank you very much. Bye now. Uh, 905-645-3221 or star 9900. Which side of this do you fall on? Do you agree with using the notwithstanding clause to push through legislation that you are elected, you were elected and you believe is part of your mandate? Or do you think that using this, overturning essentially a judge's ruling is abusing the power that you have through our Charter of Rights and through our Constitution. Camacho joins me now on the phone. Camacho, how are you today? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. What do you think about this? Where do you fall on this one? Uh, I feel that the Premier is incorrect on this. He's got it all wrong. Um, uh, my parents taught me very at a very young age that doing the right thing for the wrong reason is still wrong. And here the, the Premier is doing what some might feel might be the right thing, but he's doing it at the wrong time, in the wrong way, and in the wrong manner. Um, he's doing something that's causing lawsuits and, and uh, court action using lawyers, which is using our taxpayer dollars and, you know, trying to say that he's saving taxpayer dollars when he could have just easily said this is the last election where Toronto has 40 some odd counselors. So I feel that he's, you know, the, the people that are caught in the middle are the citizens of Toronto who are paying for it from the city end and paying for it on the provincial end. So, um, fortunately the premier's got this wrong and hopefully, uh, the, voters will remember this in four years. Camacho, let me ask you one question about that, because a lot of people are saying what you're saying, for sure, and, and Janet just before you was saying a similar thing. What about the argument, though, that Doug Ford is using and will use and people who support Doug Ford will use, and that is, I was elected, I was elected and was going to be doing this, and the judge who ruled on this was not elected, and we can't have activist courts in Canada like we do in the States. 
Uh, I would challenge them. I'm a graduate of Sherwood High School. My uh, civics teacher, Mr. Skorsky, would have uh, reminded them that there's three branches to how government works and how our uh, process works. So the reason why they're there are checks and balances that no one has any more power than the other. Camacho, I guarantee you that if your high school teacher is listening right now, he is going to be thrilled to know that you remembered that, that you learned in school. Well, he's a great teacher. So. <laughs> Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Awesome. It's a, it was a fascinating day today. Again, 905-645-3221 or star 9900. Fascinating because, A, we've never seen this in Ontario before. We've never seen the notwithstanding clause used. But it really, if somehow, if Doug Ford had not already carved a line in the sand, because, look, fair or not, real or not, there are those who absolutely believe that Doug Ford is Donald Trump. And there are those who believe Donald Trump is Adolf Hitler. And so whether you think that Doug Ford is that bad, I don't know. But there are those who truly believe that he is the worst thing possible. And there are those who believe that he is finally going to bring some common sense to government and probably going to try and get rid of some of the things that get in the way of governing and and what the liberals did. That's what they believe. Today was the day that if you were really going to draw that line in the sand, this was it. This was it. And we saw that by the reaction of the other parties. We saw that by the reaction of the spectators today. I don't think that after today you can really not be on one side of this or the other, believing that elected politicians are the ones who are going to make the laws, the courts be darned, we're going to do this, or that we're going to follow the courts, and if we can't get laws through, well, then we'll just follow the law of the laws, of the judges, of the courts. Today we saw... That is now clearly delineated. You're going to have to choose one or the other if you're a politician. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We're playing Johnny Cash music all day on the anniversary of his death, the 15th anniversary. But you know what? That's a sad music story, although his music is great. So I thought, let's have a a much happier music story to wrap up the show today. Dustin Jodway. 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 And Christine Costa are both Hamiltonians. They are both back from the Canadian Karaoke Championships, which I got to tell you. Oh, and by the way, uh, Sharon Quinn, who's the head of those championships, is in here as well with us. Uh, Maybe I'm alone in this, but I had no idea there was such a thing. There is. There definitely (laughs) is. There definitely is. Um, It's it's a good little hidden secret that uh, all the karaoke singers out there should really know about. Do they? They definitely do need to know about it. But do they know about it? Do most people know that this thing exists? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sharon. Grab the microphone there, Sharon, if you want. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Sharon, do most people know about this, or is this a surprise when they hear, oh, we have Hamiltonians that just won this thing? I would say a lot of people in North America are not familiar, although they should be, as Dustin said. Um, It's certainly KWC, the Karaoke World Championships, is very popular in Asia and Europe. And is growing still in North America. So, See, I may take some small issue with when you say people should know, because I've been to a couple karaoke bars, and there's a lot of people who should definitely not know that there's <laughs> any place where you are able to compete. There are people who should be banished from those places to begin with, let alone <laughs> Carolyn, let alone well, Christine. it's all for fun, though. It right? is all. It's, it's all for fun at that level. And then, and then as people start to get competitive, though, it is they do take it very seriously, and, and really at the higher levels, like at the nationals and the world level it isn't karaoke like if we're being honest about it it's not karaoke anymore these are these are very very talented amateur singers 
That's what I. W- I mean, I, that's what I was assuming. Uh, and we can't read the words. You can't yeah. read the words. Well, you can. Do you don't have the karaoke machine there? The lyrics will be on the screen, yeah. but if you are get caught looking at them, you're going to be docked. You're going to be docked. Well, more. then what's the point of having the screen? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> there. It, it really honestly isn't karaoke at that level. It just isn't. So there's I no mean, bouncing ball. You're not following the <laughs> bouncing <laughs> ball. No, no, no. These people are trained. They've choreographed um, aspects of their routine. Like they, they, they've been practicing all year. So what, okay, at this level then, Christine, what is the difference between a singing competition of whatever you want and a karaoke competition? Is there any real difference? I would say it's the whole performance aspect. So the stage presence, a lot of sparkle on stage, your costume. So it's a little bit of everything. So, uh, the, you know, the voice or any of those competitions, you kind of get a bit of that. But like Sharon said, there's some choreography that's going on. And it's a little bit of everything. So you know, Justin, when you go, this is not, again, this is not like some karaoke that you would go to in a bar where they will just start a song and you got to play it or sing it. You, this is all prepared ahead. You know yeah. what you're Absolutely. singing. You know what you're doing on stage. Oh, yeah. Uh, Christine and I rehearsed for months. We planned lifts. Yeah. Lifts? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> was this, like the, was this like Time of My Life by Dirty in yeah, 30 Yeah, you got it. it. Is that what it was? That, that was, was our winning song. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. That's what it was? Yeah. I, I couldn't think of another song that involved a lift, <laughs> quite honestly. <laughs> uh, oh, there you go. Uh, but, okay, so now how many songs? No, let me back up. You care, Christine, you won... The women's singles. I did, yes. And the duet. Yes. And Justin, you With were her Dustin. partner in the duet. Yeah. Dustin. Dustin, yes. sorry, no. Dustin. <laughs> I've said, I've, how many times have I said Justin? Twice. I, <laughs> Your last name starts with J. I've got <laughs> Dustin. I won't do it again. I did it last week uh, to someone, too. It's all right. It's wrong. only my mom you'll have to. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you, so, so what is the idea? What is the ideal song if you go into this because have you done this before was this your first year at the this championships is my third year okay yeah so you learn something i'm assuming over the couple of years that oh, you're for there. sure yes so what is the ideal what is the ideal karaoke song to begin with before we get to the championships we've all i think everyone listening at one time or another has been to a karaoke bar yes. we know what the five songs are that everybody that always come up and i think there's probably a lesson there that there is something about those songs that work what works for karaoke it's something that gets the crowd, it, it entertains the crowd, gets the crowd into it, but also shows off your voice too. Um, something that builds, something that's got a, like a lot of emotion to it. So it could be anything from your, I mean, on a regular karaoke night, a Sweet Caroline or something like that. But from a competition perspective, oh, we hear a lot of hallelujahs. I bet. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Leonard Cohen is the king of karaoke. Yeah, yeah. Song choice, honestly, song yeah. choice is everything. And it's such an individual thing. And yeah. for people, I think people who come back year after year, really, that's what they have to learn the most is how to choose the right songs for their voice. Because um, that's, I mean, that's where people go wrong oftentimes. I bet. You have yeah. to sell it, right? You have to sell the song and it has to be believable for whoever's yeah, presenting if, if the it. Sing- if, you, if you can't, if you can look at the singer and and see that they're feeling every lyric and feeling every beat in the song you know that you know that song is a is a good song choice but when when somebody gets up and and just stands there and sings a song and you know doesn't emote at all or anything you know that like Th- there's nothing to back that song whatsoever. You guys so. both sound very Simon Cowell-esque at this point. Breaking It must be believable. Well, now it's in front of an audience, of course. Yeah. Yep. Does the audience reaction have any oh, yeah. part in your grade or in your score other than the fact that you does. get no. enthused by the fact that they're enthused? Does, yeah. d- do they there's watch the j- crowd to see how it's going? 
They do. I've noticed a few judges this year yeah. kind of look around, see who's clapping, see. And audience appeal is definitely part of the, the rubric and the judging criteria. Um, and I, as a singer, like hearing everybody's reaction, that just like gets Gives me more, more. energy. Well, of course. Yeah. Gets you more. Of course. If you're like, singing and they're yeah. glassy eyed, you're exactly. out there dying. Yeah. No. And as I, you know, we did a lot of things in our duets just to get the cr- reaction out of the crowd of our friends. And it just fueled us it to was do more. Magic. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> while we're, while we're talking about this, I was going to give you, I was going to give you guys both a, karaoke song in a couple of minutes to do but you know I'm thinking probably to be fair we can do that <laughs> if Lisa can't find Lisa can you be looking and see if you can find the time of my life the song from Dirty Dancing a karaoke <laughs> background since that was their championship song see if it exists online we'll give it a shot and if it doesn't awesome. you're going to be on the hook for one that you don't know yet if she can find <laughs> it we'll make it easier I've got to give her a few moments for this uh, you must both Dust, Dustin yes. not Justin Dustin you must have a background in singing you don't just show up and I mean maybe some people are mm-hmm. talented enough to do it but you must have some background in singing I, I've been singing for as long as I can remember but um, like I've, I've never had any formal training in in vocal other than you know high school vocal class and whatnot but um i i run a musical theater downtown so i've been what's it called hamilton theater inc okay yes um so that you know i i've been with them 21 years so i've you know been on stage singing dancing love and life there so so you've picked up a few things i mean you would certainly be knowing what to do how to perform then in front of people yeah yeah well i hope so (laughs) (laughs) christine how about you Yes, so I took piano lessons and singing lessons when I was young, was trained classically, and then, you know, after high school, you know, on and off here and there, singing at friends' weddings, many, you know, many events and things like that. Um, And it was only the last few years now getting involved with this competition. I thought, yeah, let me get a coach and let me, you know, try to improve and, you know, be better. So I, I do have to say there is a connotation and you know this, there is a connotation with karaoke of what it is. So as a classically trained, as a, as a trained <laughs> singer, <Yeah. laughs> did it take a few moments to convince yourself that, all right, I will do a karaoke competition and see how this thing goes? A singer will sing when they want to sing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Regardless. It's more of that. Yeah. And really? then just being able to explore all genres because especially in this competition, you hear opera, you hear musical theater, you hear rock, you mm-hmm. hear pop, you hear everything. everything. And that's what's really cool about this type of competition. But yeah. we know in every single, whether it's athletics or whether it's politics or medicine, everybody who's in a particular field is going to have some kind of elitist views on certain things. And if you are a singer and you say, mm-hmm. I'm in karaoke, you're going to get the you the yeah, look from at do. times. I you think do. there's a, sorry, if I could interject no, there. There is certainly a stigma here in North America. You won't find, again, this is an international competition that, I mean, when I first started in 2015, there were 32 countries involved. So you don't get that stigma necessarily in other places around the world. And I think that this company, um, was originally KWC was was owned by a Finnish company uh, and an Asian company when I first got involved and so again you know part of the reason I think karaoke is in the name is because the stigma is not part of things over there so um, that's something we fight against in North America a little mm-hmm. bit with this competition mm-hmm. and I think people who become involved learn very quickly that um, that it's just a fantastic environment and well, um, it is a stigma. And again, I, I'm not in any way belittling this, but no. we have this view, I think, in our heads. That if you go to a karaoke bar, you're going to mm-hmm. get hammered and then get up there and sing Madonna <laughs> yeah, or something. And yeah. this is not, I, I'm assuming nobody was hammered during your final performance, especially not <laughs> no, doing the lift. I mean, at the venue, yeah. <laughs> the venue qualifiers, yeah, yeah. a lot of people tea. are just having a lot of fun. But as yeah. Sharon said, as you get up 
provincials, nationals, it starts to really narrow down. Yeah, things yeah. narrow down. Yeah. Had you ever, really or do either of you ever actually go to a karaoke bar just for fun and get up there and sing? <laughs> yes. That's where we all meet. Yes. You know? Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah um, our, our home venue, yeah. Tracy's up on Upper James, mm-hmm. um, that's where a lot of us met and it's like a family like yeah we're just always and it's, a lot of times it's the same people a lot of the same people come back year after year and then new people get added in and it's just like a huge family just keeps growing and getting better is there a um when you're a good karaoke singer at the karaoke bar when you get up because we know the bad ones <laughs> and they're just up there and they're just letting it rip and everyone's like either rolling their eyes or <laughs> laughing when you're a good karaoke singer, is there more pressure on you to actually be really good if you're going to try to be good do you have to be good at that point <laughs> sometimes uh. like I, I tried a song last week that i didn't really know and people were pointing at the words for me <laughs> like, <laughs> like i know the words but anyone who but can get up fun. there yeah. and do, and sing and just enjoy music i mean you have to have respect for that i mean yeah. and, and so somebody's a quote unquote bad karaoke singer. I mean, they're still getting up there. They've still got exactly. the courage to do yeah. it. And they're having exactly. fun and they're enjoying that the music. That is true. Yeah. And there's there's something to be said for that. And you know, we've run into a lot of people at the higher levels of competition who went through really rough times in their lives and meeting friends at karaoke bars and singing and, and enjoying music together is what kind of got them through it. So so I think there's I mean, everyone has their stories and it's been like fascinating learning about people. There and, is that yeah. though. And you're right on because you know what? There is, there are most, I would say most people, and maybe you disagree with me. I think most people in our society, you know, fears that they have might be spiders, might be heights. I would think singing in public oh, is yeah. rough, Oh, for sure. More than talking in public. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Way high up there on the list of fears. I, I've been doing this, like I said, for many, many years. And no matter what, I, I still get nervous when I get up there, even, you know, when, when I'm at a karaoke bar, I still get nervous. My dad always told me, yeah. (laughs) Oh, I never knew. Yeah. Oh God. I get the butterflies. My dad always used to tell me that, you know, if, if you don't get nervous, you think you're too good. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's something that I am not planning on doing. Uh, I have, and and again, you know what? I think we, I think we create this fear in ourselves by watching the people that we would think are horrible at it. And you go, Oh, I I, don't want to be like that. I do not want to be that. (laughs) I do not want to be. And I also don't want to be, and this is not you guys, as we'll find out in a second. I don't want to be the person who goes to the karaoke bar and is so earnest and is no good and really believes that they're spectacular. They're the they're the uncomfortable ones. You can laugh at the bad ones, <laughs> but the people who really believe they're exceptional, you're yeah. like, oh. oh. Like watching oh. American Idol. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have to do right? Stairway to Heaven? It's seven minutes long, please. <laughs> the song is too long. Yeah. The condensed version, please. Um, all right. Lisa, do we have the background for that one? All right. <laughs> Dustin Jodway and Christine Costa. We are not, we're going to do, they're going to do what the song they won, the Canadian duet karaoke championship without the lift the studio is too small <laughs> for a lift to be involved so imagine when they get to the big finish when when jennifer gray and patrick swayze are at that big moment imagine the lift you can picture it in your mind but it's not going to actually happen here so <laughs> as soon as you have the music ready lisa you can start it up and we will we will hear what won them the championship here we go because i had the time of my life Though I never felt this way before Yes, I swear it's the truth And I owe it all to you Cause I've had the time of my life And I've searched through every open door Till I found 
the truth and I owe it all to you. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you, you guys are great. Thanks. Now, you guys are taking that, because that was amazing. You guys are taking that to Finland for the World Championships, right? Are we sharing? I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> we still have to discuss ourselves. Yeah. This, <laughs> you're you guys, going to Finland with something. Yes. We are definitely oh, yes. going to Finland. Yes. For the World Championships. With a couple things. Three songs. They yes. need three songs. Yeah. Three songs. Yes. Three, three duets. Four for me. And then four solos for Christine. So she's yeah. going to have seven seven pieces to do. I could have given awesome. you this one. Because if you guys hadn't come prepared with something, you were going to be doing I Got it? You, Babe. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking because every karaoke yes. I've ever heard. That's there's true. Or true. Sweet Caroline was the yeah. other one. I was yeah. trying to think of the most stereotypical karaoke songs. Well, how about, why, why don't you? No. Can you find, can you find the, the music for Sweet Caroline for Scott? No, I think we'll pass <laughs> on that one. Yeah. We'll do that post-show <laughs> when Alex Pearson's show is on. I may be singing in the car but um, oh no, no that's now do you ha- you don't have to learn any of these words in Finnish though when you get there oh you can gosh. do it in your uh, you don't have to translate it that'd be amazing that would be kind of <laughs> right. good Terrifying. a lot of countries uh, their representatives do sing in their traditional mm-hmm. language that yeah it's really just really cool it's really cool to see it, it is uh, as I say I think that the 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 lesson today for everybody who has ever been to a karaoke bar is there is that and there is this different worlds worlds apart you guys are miles ahead of, well, I mean, I've only ever been to a few and nobody, well, I mean, I say there were the couple that were okay, there were the few earnest and there were the really bad drunk ones. <laughs> well, you got to come up to Tracy's one night and, and remember hang out we with us. Start, we start in the local bars. We, we go around, KWC Canada goes around to local bars um, starting kind of April-ish. And um, like we start holding, search? we start, yeah, exactly. We start holding our local regional qualifiers in various bars across Ontario, across different provinces. Um, but obviously we're here in Ontario and, um, it starts there. So maybe we'll, well, you, I mean, you guys are, yeah, if you have dreams, you guys are going to win for the next number of years, I can tell, but you know, if you're out there and you want to take a crack at it, maybe win a we trip to Finland. We can't, we can't compete back. again. Yeah. No. You can't compete again. When you've won nationals, you can't compete again. Dustin can come so back as a soloist, <laughs> yes. uh, but now that Christine's won both, she can't. Uh, so you're forced into retirement. She's It'll forced into judging. Oh, judging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's our hope anyway. Uh, Dustin Jodway, Christine Costa, and Sharon Quinn, thanks for coming oh, in. Thank you. Really, so much really, really appreciate you. you doing this. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.